Welcome to The Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. And it's the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, back for another fun-filled weekend here with a very special guest, a guest that we've had on before, and if you're a regular listener to the show, a guy who has a great book called Celebrity. His name is George Lois, founder of Lois USA out of New York, and we are so happy to have George on the show. We'll be joining up with him here in just a few minutes. Advertising Show brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. Advertising Show is a big radio midgets production. Not only George, not only George. But we have uh, this hour Jonathan Margolis, guerrilla marketing for the 21st century. He's going to be talking about pu- publicity stunts. Now, is that a good thing? Is that the turkey out the airplane thing? I don't <laughs> think so. Uh, Patrick Meyer next hour, lifestyle innovation. We've got uh, Jeffrey Gittimer this hour. And uh, basically what Jeffrey is saying about about business is you've got some good business habits and some bad business habits. And what he's saying to do is repeat the success habits. Many what? people don't know what those are, but uh, he'll help you find them this hour. What an idea. What a concept. Never thought about that. Let's see. Uh, President Bush will be bringing home the troops during the next two hours. No. Is that Andy Borowitz? And, uh, yep. And uh, the wacky world of marketing is looking at kid product testers. They're not testing kids. It's kid testing products. Yeah. You see. Good idea. Well, you know, if you tuned in today thinking you're going to hear uh, CEO of Worldwide Saatchi and Saatchi, Kevin Roberts, uh, you've got an extra special uh, treat in store with George Lois because uh, Kevin Roberts did to us what's never been done before. He bailed. He, he canceled. Now, of course, maybe last week you heard about uh, 17 staffers walking out of Saatchi Saatchi, uh, New York office. Uh, the suspicion is that they'll be uh, joining uh, Interpublic Group by the week's end. May have already happened. Who knows? But in any event, it's all about the General Mills account. So, you know, anything General Mills, we are boycotting today on the advertising show. And if, you, uh, have, if you're looking at Saatchi and Saatchi and you're considering them as an agency, uh, bail on them like they bailed on me and okay. Ray. Okay. Other than that, we love those people at Saatchi and Saatchi. Let's see. Disclaimer. Void where prohibited. Uh, member FDIC. Right. Any complaints. Equal opportunity employer. Any complaints on what you just heard that is Brad no, at no. the... Hey, you're throwing your voice again. <laughs> That's Ray at theadvertisingshow.com. He takes all spam. He loves spam. Oh, yeah. Thanks for the spam. And then emails as well. But uh, he, he needs to know something. Why do you want... Him to renew his. Uh, no, we don't want to go don't there. Go no, there. forget that. Don't go there. Forget that. Okay. So anyway, thanks to George for taking time out this weekend. Yeah, to, and if uh, you don't know who George is, folks, well, you will by the end of the two hours. Not only legendary. Well, have you ever heard of Doyle Dane Bernbach? I think uh, there's a little agency there. Yeah, little agency many years ago. Well, uh, George sat alongside Mr. Bernbach, so uh, and he's got some great stories to tell about those days. That's great. And on forward of that. So good. Yeah. And it's it's time to have George on anyway. Sure, right? is. you know what I mean. Come sure. on now. Uh, this is this is interesting. This is out of uh, who is it? Variety dot com. I guess it is Variety magazine. Mm-hmm. It says, "Will Disney ever find its big cheese?" <laughs> and the question is, I don't know. It says, "Who's on first? That's the question surrounding the secret search for a possible replacement for Michael Eisner. Mm-hmm. Though directors have hired an executive search firm, seems they ought to be able to do that by themselves. And all sorts of names have been dropped as possible candidates. None of them has apparently been interviewed. So there's an empty office there." 
Well, you know, uh, young probably putting storage in there or something now. Disney nephew. Well, what's the ne- what's his name? The guy that's always uh, stirring up trouble with them. Roy. 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 Yeah, Roy sure isn't running for CEO. I'm sure of that. No, I don't think so. Because he'd have to be taking shots at himself eventually That's if he exactly did that. Right. Exactly Roy's a neat guy. You know, I wish we I had, really do. We wish we had that kind of money that we just, you know, had time on our hands and we could just, you know, circle our wagon around the uh, the golden goose that laid the egg and then just kind Roy's of. Roy's probably on his boat at Ponte Vedra just maybe to play 18 or something today, you know? Yeah. What can I say? Yeah. Well, George uh, isn't. He's in the green room. Yeah, and uh, hopefully he's. Uh, t- he, you can uh, listen if you listen closely. Yeah, he's warming up. Oh yeah, he's punching tie bow. He does tie bow. He does do tie bow. He's punching that. And he uh, also does bow tie. <laughs> he's punching that foam rubber. <laughs> yeah, back away from the that, foam rubber. That's George. our couch, George. Yes. Leave the couch alone, yeah. please. Hope to, hope you like the treats. There's Jonathan Margolis and uh, where not to use gorillas, basically, huh? And now it's time oh, for the right. advertising item of the week. You know that's later. Yeah, that is so later. I think what we ought to do is go to the Hang first track, and we'll try this one. Yeah. And now, it's time for Jonathan Margolis with Gorilla Marketing for the 21st Century. Sometimes brands are looking for something different to help get their message out, generate some press, or simply draw attention to the latest product or programming. In those cases, agencies can create programs that not only extend their client's message, but do so with unparalleled style and creativity. They can achieve this in the form of a publicity stunt or event. It could mean gathering five or 50 people, outfitting a van, flatbed truck, or tractor trailer, and distributing anything from printed postcards to branded premiums. More often than not, such stunts and events stay mobile, starting out as early as 5 a.m. in an effort to get a shot on a morning show and constantly move throughout the day. They usually stop at a high-traffic street corner or venue and more often than not carry on until 6 or so with a chance to snag a mention on the evening news as well. The beauty of these stunts is that when done correctly, they can work well for any number of brands and categories, from cable clients and film industries to consumer electronics and lifestyle brands. The trick is to think of the craziest thing you can do to promote your particular product or brand and then scale back from there, all the while keeping in mind budget, timing, and depending on the scope of your ideas, the laws of gravity. For now, this is John Margolis for The Advertising Show, reminding you, it's a jungle out there. Be a gorilla. This has been Gorilla Marketing for the 21st Century with your host, Jonathan Margolis, president of the Michael Allen Group. To learn more about Jonathan and his company, log on to michael-allen.com. He said laws of gravity, but shouldn't that also be state and city laws and ordinances and things like that? You would think, yeah. It's like you can't do certain things in certain places. That's true. Okay, so Jonathan... Remember that. Straighten up. Of course, it's New York, though, where everything goes there. That's true. Yeah. You can get away with most anything in New York. I wonder guess, if George you? Lois ever did uh, guerrilla marketing back when he was in his heyday. I would assume that he probably did. Yeah? Yeah. Before he... it was known as guerrilla marketing. That's true. It was called Lois marketing. <laughs> but, you know, if you know MTV, folks, if you know MTV, mm-hmm. George is the one that came out with the uh, campaign, I Want My MTV. He developed that. Right. He developed the idea, and I believe he came out with the graphic, the MTV uh, logo that you currently see used today. We'll ask him about that. And as you recall, he lined up the talent as well for that. Yes, Got he did. To participate. That was a kind of an <laughs> unknown talent at that time, wasn't it? There's was a guy named uh, Mick Jagger. Well, Mick, no, Mick was known at that time. Mick, <laughs> no, I know that. It just, pays, it just pays to, uh, to, to know these people personally. Exactly. Uh, and that's good. That's kind of cool when you think about it because there were people that got the concept back then. I think oh, yeah. that's how they bought into that. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's pretty good. I like the I like the uh, the serious uh, 
I think it was Sirius, or was Sirius it XM? Satellite? Oh, XM. no, it was XM. Yeah, where XM. they had the where they had the guys dropping into people's houses mm-hmm. and cars and stuff. All right. I thought that was a great idea. It, it uh, was. You know, we said about a year or two ago uh, when XM and satellite were really you know in the news but struggling. We said here on the advertising show that they may eventually. We were predicting they would consolidate and join as one. Mm-hmm. There's talk about that now. Well, sure. And probably XM will become Sirius, or Sirius will become XM, and it'll be. Hey, remember the old days when they had two of these guys? Well, there's also Sony as well as that uh, for uh, for uh, you know alternative uh, audio delivery. So right. I haven't heard much of anything from them uh, lately. Interesting. Uh, we'll be back. George will join us uh, out of New York in just a moment. Uh, author of Celebrity and founder of Lois USA. With Ray Shellings and Brad Forsyth, and this is The Advertising Show. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. On the advertising show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, back for a segment as we begin our uh, couple-hour uh, session with uh, George Lois here. Yeah. Sounds more like a doctor, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. Dr. George, or Dr. Lois, I should say. Turn your head and cough. Founder of Lois USA and author of Celebrity. If you don't have this book, it's really a shame because it is one that uh, is, is worthwhile having in your you know, library. It's a coffee table book. It's huge. And he is, I recall, charged by the pound, so it's quite expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's it's a worthwhile addition to your library. You can buy it by the ounce. <laughs> it's advertising self-styled street fighter and free spirit of the creative revolution. Man, there's the elevator speech right there. George, welcome back to the advertising show. It is always so much fun to have you here. How you doing, Brad? How you doing, Ray? Man, we owe you, George, and thank you so much for joining us. And you stopped in the middle of your day today to join us, and we can't thank you enough. It's a designated hitter. Yeah, well, that's what. Uh, <laughs> the, the only difference is that you know I not only hit better than those guys, I feel better than those guys. Well, that's exactly why we are not only sending you in as a pinch hitter, we're going to send you in out into the outfield at the end of the game. I have a feeling we'll have hit a home run today I don't too. Take steroids. I don't. You know, I don't do what uh, John does. <laughs> yeah, that's true. You're you're all natural. We knew that as uh, when we invited you, George. Creative juices. Yeah. Well, you know, and speaking, speaking of that, you know, we, I mentioned earlier, last segment, about uh, your, your time at Doyle Day and Birnbach. You go before you started uh, at Doyle Day and as far as your agency background. But before we get that, since I teased the MTV uh, evolution of the web, of the actual uh, MTV product that we all know now today on cable, the, where you were in, involved certainly with the creation of the I Want My MTV campaign, but did you also design the graphic of the logo there? No, well, uh, uh, to do a cookie on it, um, in, uh, I guess, what I'm not sure the year now, in 82, 83, something like that, um, uh, Bob uh, Pittman called me up. He was, uh, I think he was 20, I think he was 12 years old at the time. <laughs> Actually, I think he was in 25 or 6. Anyway, and uh, they uh, were looking for an ad agency uh, and um, um, uh, got together with me and talked to me about it, and uh, I... Uh, and uh, what what had happened is they were a year old, and uh, and the, the cable operators in America, you know, weren't biting. You know, I mean, they only had a couple here and there. 
the advertising industry thought it was ridiculous, you know, 24 hours a year, you know, 24 hours a day. The music business hated it. The, all the rock stars thought it was a joke. Uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was, it, it was down the toilet. And, um, uh, and what he wanted was a, uh, a uh, trade campaign. Uh, and I said, well, you know, what good's a trade campaign? I mean, you're going to talk to the same guys. Uh, they all smoke cigars and they all think, uh, kids take drugs, which they did, you know. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so I, what I did is I came to him and I showed him an idea where I, you know, I would, uh, I would do a 60 second commercial, quick cuts. I would take their logo that had, had been established, that M with the TV on it. Right. But I said, you know, you gotta, and I told him, I think you got a lousy logo, but I think I can make it exciting. And what I would do is every time you see the logo, and I would show the logo many, many times on the commercial, and I think you should do it all the time, is, is, is something is in it, you know, uh, a tongue stick coming out of it, you know, with rocket ships, etc. So, so to activate the logo, so that the logo, every time you saw the logo, it was the MTV logo, but it changed. There was a lawyer there that said, "Oh my God, you can't do that. You'd have to, you'd have to re-register the logo every time you changed it." You know, <laughs> and, and, and 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 Pittman was smart enough to say, "My God, we're out of business now." So you know, don't worry yeah, about what it. What we got to lose? Yeah. So anyway, I said, Listen, "I'm going to do a quick cut commercial." Blah, 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 have a lot of fun and really set kind of a style for all of MTV. And at the end of the commercial, towards the end of the commercial, with a driving voice, I would have the driving voice say, "If you don't get MTV, if you don't get MTV where you live, pick up the phone, dial your local cable operator, and say." And at that point, I said I would have somebody like Mick Jagger grab the phone. You'd, you'd cut to him. He'd grab a phone, pull it, put it up to his ear and uh, to his mouth, and say, "I want my MTV." And everybody in the room looked at me like. First of all, first of all, they said, George, all the rock stars hate us. You couldn't get a guy in a million years. And second of all, what would that do? And I said, well, I think if I do it right, you know, you'd get hundreds and hundreds of thousands of young people. And I don't mean teenagers. I mean, you know, rock fans, you know, people in their 20s and calling, calling their cable operator. Uh, some most of the people in the room hated it, and um, you know, in fact, um, in fact, uh, Tom Feston, who runs MTV for all these years uh, since uh, you know uh, Pittman, uh, you know, left there, uh, hated it. Uh, I think he now claims he did it, but that's beside the point. <laughs> and anyway, so uh, Pittman said, "Give it a shot." So I went out, and I uh, he said, "You're never going to get uh, you know anybody like a Mick Jagger." Anyway, a week later, I came back with Mick Jagger. Uh, don't ask me how I got Mick Jagger, because I mean I, uh, I don't want to go into my sex life. Well, we, we already know about that, and uh, okay. yeah. So, uh, so what happened <laughs> is that, that uh, I, I produced a commercial, and I got the you know the Rolling Stone logo sticking out of the logo, and you know and you know we get to the to the to the end of the commercial, to the climax. Mick picks up the phone, and says, "I want my MTV." I show him the commercial, and we run the commercial in uh, San Francisco. Um, Random like three spots, you know, uh, you know, like ten o'clock at night, eleven, and maybe twelve or twelve thirty, and um, on a Thursday night, and um, in New York at eight o'clock, eight thirty in the morning, which is five thirty in San Francisco time, he gets Bob Pittman gets a call in his office from the cable operator who says, "Get that, you know, you know, commercial off the air," <laughs> and. Uh, uh, you, you know what the word he said. Right. 
And uh, and Bob said, oh, my, I'll, I'll take it off right away. And he said, oh, by the way, he, 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 I'll take it. Bob Pittman said, oh, you'll take what? He said, I'll take MTV. He said, why? He said, because I'm getting thousands of phone calls. <laughs> that was between like 1030 and, and, at night and, uh, and uh, you know, early in the morning, you know. What a, and, what a, yes. And that's what, and that and what happened is we then, you know, immediately went market by market and ran one or two nights. I mean, we maybe spent a couple of thousand dollars in advertising in each market. Hmm. And, uh, you know, six months by, uh, by the end of six months, uh, you know, we were in a, it was a, a Time magazine that said, uh, you know, the, the greatest, uh, uh, the greatest popular, you know, cultural thing in, in the history of, uh, of, uh, of America. You know, actually, I, just between me and you, I think I helped destroy world culture with MTV. <laughs> the point, you know? I, I would think so, George. If you want to watch it today, it's hard to watch today because back then it was a, basically music videos and, and some good historians who would talk to you about. Um, the history of all kinds of music, including rock, you know, and, and, and today, I think today they kind of uh, pioneered the, uh, those uh, really uh, idiotic, uh, uh, you know, reality shows in America, you know. We're talking with uh, George Lewis here on the Advertising Show. More more stories, more great uh, more great info, too. It's a worthwhile couple hours for you to stick around with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. On the Advertising Show, we've got uh, Jeffrey Ginnimer on the way here in just a couple of minutes, and he'll be uh, showing you how to repeat your success habits. So stick around. We'll be back. On sales and customer relations with Jeffrey Gittimer, nationally syndicated columnist in the network of city business journals and other great publications worldwide. If you're offended by common sense commentary, don't you dare listen. Now, here's Jeffrey. Your last 10 sales will show you the 11. Here's what to do. Capture and repeat your success habits. Easy concept. So easy, it's never used. Salespeople you included, continue to fight the same battle sale after sale. Price is too high, can't get an appointment, satisfied with present supplier, taking three bids, can't reach the decision maker, blah, blah, blah. I have an idea for you. Study history. No, not American history. You don't care who Franklin Pierce's vice president was, do you? Study your own history. Just go back to your last 10 sales, your last 10 appointments, your last 10 sales calls, your last 10 sales leads, your last 10 repeat sales, your last 10 referrals, your last 10 lost sales, your last 10 calls for service help, your last 10 customer complaints, your last 10 lost customers, and your last 10 testimonials. That's enough history to predict the future. Actually, it's enough history to alter the future, your future. That's enough information to cure all your ills and double your sales. Quick takes on sales and customer relations from The Advertising Show, the only radio show in America featuring Jeffrey Gittimer as a regular weekly guest. To learn more about his books, tapes, CDs, and speaking engagements, log on to Gittimer.com, G-I-T-O-M-E-R.com. And tune in next week when we'll hear Jeffrey say, This is Jeffrey Gittimer reminding you that if no one responds to your ad, 
It may be because your ad sucks. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Meet Mr. Clean, Procter & Gamble's new all-purpose liquid cleaner. Mr. Clean gets rid of dirt and grime and grease in just a minute. Mr. Clean will clean your whole house and everything that's in it. Floors, doors, walls, halls, white sidewalls, tires, and old golf balls. It's the advertising show, Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth, and uh, the youngest inductee into the Art Directors Hall of Fame, also called Never an Establishment Model Citizen. He is defined <laughs> by his powerful early work, and there's no doubt about that. And the uh, the power is still there, obviously. George Lois on the Advertising Show with Rachel and Brett Forsyth. Yeah, welcome back to the show, George. I want to, uh, you know, a lot of people may not know. They may know you as certainly the author of Celebrity, which is a great book. It has the face of Muhammad Ali on the on the cover, and you worked with Muhammad, and we'll talk about that later. But there is another book out that George told us about uh, on his last visit a few years ago called George Be Careful or Be Careful George. What was the title again? Be Careful. Sorry? George, be careful. Yeah, and I got to tell you, if you if you're if you like seeing a little snapshot of what was going on in advertising from the inside back in the '60s and the evolution of Dwayne uh, Bernbach and all of that, and even a little before that, uh, it's a great it's a great read, and I know you can still get it on uh, Amazon. It's going to be a used copy, but it's well worth uh, whatever it costs for you to get it. Yeah, yeah, it's a great... I, I, I gotta admit, it's a funny book, you know, but it really uh, is uh, insights onto, uh, into the creative evolution and what went on and all the shenanigans, etc. You know? it, it really is, and you know, if, you, if you're familiar with the Volkswagen campaign back in the early 60s, and one spot in particular that stands out for us is the one where the Volkswagen goes through the snow and the voiceover after no, no voice at all. The Volkswagen's just driving along, and then towards the end of the spot, it says, uh, Ever wonder how the snowplow driver gets to the snowplow? And, and was that your spot, George? No, no, no. I had, I had left by then. When I was at Doyle Dane, um, you know, uh, one day you, you, uh, Bill Burnback ran around and said, Well, we got Volkswagen. We got Volkswagen. We can do Volkswagen and prove to GM. You know what uh, what you can do, so we can go go get a real account. You know, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the truth, you know. And and when I heard we got Volkswagen, I was in shock because uh, uh, you know a, a, a Bill Burnback's Jewish. Uh, I'm Greek. I mean, we both uh, remember the Second World War. Right. You know, I mean, uh, we, we certainly the uh, Holocaust and, and certainly the. Uh, the atrocities on, on, on the Greeks, you know. In any case, so, I mean, I was, and I didn't want to go near Volkswagen. And for two weeks, I uh, refused to, I told Bill, Bill, I ain't, I ain't going to go to Germany. A team had to go to Germany and get input. No way, shape, or form. And I just refused to go. And they kept every day talking to me. Come on, Joe, everybody around me talked to me. And finally, it was two days before, it was, uh, before the, the, the time to go, I, I get a, there's a, I had a kind of a frosted glass window uh, a door, you know, and um, there was a knock on the window, and I looked up, and if you press something, uh, a newspaper headline against the window, you could cle- you could see through it, and, the, and, the, and I looked, and the headline, in, it was a New York Post headline that said, Germany sells Israel 22 MIGs or something like, whatever the hell they want, you know, with Messerschmitts. 
And he opened the door and he looked at me. And I said, okay, Bill, I'll go. I mean, he got me to go because he said, well, you know, you know, it's okay now. Okay. So anyway, so I went and I didn't really enjoy it a lot. But uh, other than the fact that, uh, you know. He got a free trip to Germany. Yeah. Well, you know, you know, you know I mean, I, you know, they, they were still Nazis then. But in any case, I, so I come back from Germany, uh, you know, a week there. And uh, we get all kinds of input. And, uh, and, uh, and I come back and I'm in the hallway and I'm walking down. And Bill sees me. And I said, uh, I said Bill, Bill. And I, he's down the hallway. Oh, my God, George. He comes starts running up to me. And I said, Bill, I got it. He said, you got the advertising? I said, no, no, I got the marketing problem figured out. He said, what is it? I said, Bill, we got to sell a Nazi car in a Jewish town. <laughs> uh, and, and by the way, that's what we did. You know, you know not a lot of people are on a first-name basis with the, the late, great uh, Bill Bernbach. And uh, you, you have an interesting story. This is uh, we have about three or four minutes left here, George. You have an interesting story about how Mr. Bernbach uh, came to you and, and was aggravated about how you always referred to the company. Well, he always said, uh, you know, he, he people would call it uh, Do- uh, Doyle Dane Burnback. I was about to say to do it myself. Yeah. Doyle Dane. Right. Uh, and and any time he heard anybody say Doyle Dane, uh, he would say, uh, at the beginning, he used to say, why do you keep referring me to me by my first two names? <laughs> and he would say it with a slight smile. <laughs> and as time went by, he would say, why do you keep referring to me by my first two names? He was, he was really getting there, you know. When I when I left, you know, shockingly left him in, uh, in 1960, uh, uh, you know, the beginning uh, January 1960, really an insane thing to start this what I call the second creative agency in America. I the name of my agency was Papert, a, a, a partner Koenig and me, Papert Koenig Lois. And he, when I told him what I was going to do, and he was in shock, but he then he said, "Well, what are you going to? Who are the people? What are you going to call it?" I said, "Papert Koenig Lois." Because, Bill, I want to be able to say someday when they call him Patrick Danny, why do you refer to me by my first two names? That's funny. We'll give both both names here, George and Lois, okay? We'll right. do that. That'll be good. Yeah. Uh, on the advertising show, it's Ray Schillen's Red Forsyth. Uh, go, uh, you can go to Fiden.com now. If you don't know how to spell Fiden, we're going to tell you right now. It's it's uh, P-H-A-I-D-O-N.com. That's where you can get, uh, get a hold of the book. Uh, celebrity, we do uh, advise you to uh, to check it out at least. It's pretty cool. Yeah, or Amazon.com. If you can, can't spell uh, fight in Amazon.com. Well, Amazon's a much easier word to spell. That's true. That's true. We've got more, uh, a whole two hours with George Lois here, with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. also want to remind you to, uh, to go to our website, theadvertisingshow.com, where you can find uh, upcoming guests, archives of past guests, and a whole bunch of great industry information as well. Uh, the Advertising Show, it's Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, and back with George Lois, and more with George in a moment. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. It's the advertising show, and no, no, we don't want that part. <laughs> it's it's a classic spot with Ray Shillings, Brad Forsyth on the advertising show, and our special guest, George Lois. If you've heard of Xerox, and we believe you have, Alarest, MTV, Mapo, Waitina, Edwards & Hanley, and the Esquire covers, well, 
then that's George, and that's who we've got on the show today. Yeah, the legendary George Lois, and welcome back to the show, George. And a lot of people may not know that you, uh, throughout the 60s, were uh, enlisted to design covers for Esquire magazine, as Ray just mentioned, and uh, kind of a side job for you while you were do- uh, practicing your craft as a advertising creative executive. What, uh, what do you remember from those days as uh, designing covers for Esquire? Anything stand out? The way that came about is, uh, I mean, to this day, I have uh, important people, you know, who uh, who think of, who think that I was the art director of Esquire magazine. You know, they thought I was an editorial guy. I mean, uh, I heard uh, 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 Steven Spielberg mention that, you know, that the, the, the art director of Esquire, George Lowe, doing those covers, etc. Actually, uh, what happened was, uh, it was like 1961. I had, uh, my ad agency was a year old, you know, as I said before, you know, when I, uh, I told Bill Burnbeck that I would leave, I was leaving Doyle Dane, you know, almost insanely, you know, and uh, because I once thought we could, uh, there could be a second creative, great creative agency, you know, of course, Bill was shocked because he really insisted that there was, could only be one creative agency in the world, you know, <laughs> the, 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 in the sense of uh, creating the ambiance with creative people, creating the ambiance, et cetera. And I, you know, I, so anyway, I, I left and I, and I think almost immediately I proved there could be a two, you know, we were successful very, very quickly. And after a couple of years, there, there were, you know, one or two other agencies that, that Said if Lois could do it, I could do it, maybe. And and before you knew it, uh, it, it what happened basically is by starting that second creative agency, it triggered the creative evolution. But so I was a kind of a, I, I was getting a tremendous amount of publicity and uh, uh, you know and uh, articles, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and and I, and I was really the first uh, art director on a, on a, the masthead of an important ad agency in America. And uh, Howell Hayes, who was the editor of Esquire, was reading these articles every, you know, every once a week, every almost uh, almost weekly in the New York Times, and uh, called me up and asked me if I would have lunch with him. And I had lunch. I said, sure. I, 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 it was a, it had always been a terrific magazine, but it, it, with Hayes, under Hayes, it had started to become a great magazine. And he said, uh, uh, could I help him talk, uh, you know, with, with, and give him some advice on how to do covers? Well, how do you do covers now? Well, we all get together. We all look at the stories, you know, the editors, the art directors, the designer, blah, 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 blah. I said, oh, and we all talk about it. I said, oh, my God, group grope, you know. <laughs> yeah. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, I mean, is that the way you work with Norman Mailer? You know, 12 people get together to talk about what Mailer should do and then get him in and talk to him. No, he said, no, of course not. So well, why don't you just give it to one guy? And I said, you get to find somebody who, who who's a terrific designer, who understands politics, who understands the culture, blah, 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 blah. He said, well, uh, I started to give him some names of some people who might be able to do it. He said, do me it. George, could you do me one cover? Uh, I said, okay, I'll do one cover. So the, the cover was, uh, you know, the, I said, what's the stories that are coming up? He told me, uh, you know, the, the, there's a story about Sonny Liston, who's, uh, you know, who uh, was the world's champion at that time. And he was, uh, oh, excuse me, the story was about uh, Floyd Patterson, who was the world champion at that time. And, and, and uh, there was a fight coming up against, uh, against uh, Sonny Liston. And uh, there was also a story in there about Bud Schulberg doing a boxing story, blah, 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 blah. So I, I, what I did is I went back to the agency and I thought about it a little bit. And I got a photographer and I found a, a, a body that was built like like Floyd Patterson's, uh, you know, uh, who was a friend of mine, by the way. And, uh, and um, uh, 
took him uh, and took the and, and took the guy to uh, uh, to a, a boxing ring uh, and uh, you know with stands around it took, and photographed him laying dead, like laying dead and left alone in the ring with everybody, uh, all the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the the audience leaving him for dead. And what I was basically doing was calling the fight. I was going to—I I said that uh, you know that, that Liston was going to kill the, you know Floyd Patterson, and uh, I, I, I brought it to, to Harold Hayes, and Harold Hayes said, "Oh my God!" I said, "What's the matter?" He said, "Oh my God! I never saw a cover like this. Uh, I, I never saw anything like it." I said, and you're actually calling the fight, but George, suppose Patterson wins. I said, "If Patterson wins, I'm a girl. You know, no, there's no chance." You know? <laughs> uh, uh, he said, "Well, you know, we have to put a lot of cover lines on it. No cover lines." No cover, not a line, not a word other than, uh, you know, the line I had, you know, about, uh, about uh, listing Patterson. We've got, uh, hey, George, we've got to take a break here, a hard break coming up here. Round four of the uh, interview with George Lawson will be next hour on the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Simplifying the complex world of advertising. To reach Ray and Brad with your questions, log on to theadvertisingshow.com. This is The Advertising Show. My dog's better than your dog. My dog's better than yours. My dog's better because he gets kennel ration. My dog's better than yours. My dog's bigger than your dog. My dog's smarter than yours. My dog's it's the Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth as we uh, wrap up uh, hour number one of two. And uh, we'll continue next hour, too, with more with George Lois here. Uh, definitely a colorful kind of a guy yeah, oh, uh, yeah. to have as a guest. Mm-hmm. And, uh, absolutely a legend in marketing and advertising as well. So uh, real quick here, yeah. uh, Martha. Martha's back in the news. When mm-hmm. a somber Martha Stewart t- stood before television cameras, uh, this is from CNN Money, Last fall, and announced her decision to go to prison rather than await an appeal on her criminal conviction. The Lifestyle Pro wistfully said she hoped to be out in time to plant her spring garden. And uh, that's what it looks like is going to happen. So there's a lot of folks out there who are very excited about the opportunity to, uh, to get back with Martha and uh, get things rolling again. Especially Mark Burnett, uh-huh. who's the reality TV producer that has done things like Apprentice and mm-hmm. what else? bunch of stuff. Uh, yeah, a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It'll, it'll also be interesting to see what happens to the Omnimedia stock mm-hmm. as she's out again. So right. who knows? Every, every week we look at the good and the bad side of advertising. A lot of good stuff out there. There's no doubt about that. As we look at the downside, it's not to bash the advertiser or the product or the method, but it's just to, to help you be a little bit smarter about your advertising choices. And now it's time for the bad advertising item of the week. And as you guessed, it's bad. Yeah. Oh, it's bad. You know, Ray, uh, I've hesitated for several weeks now going back and forth as to whether to feature this particular advertiser for our advertising item of the week because it just so happens the person who owns the agency that created this spot, mm-hmm. I happen to be friends with or maybe former friend, uh, at least <laughs> okay. now friends. Uh, but but I'm sorry. It's just really too good of an example of advertising to not talk about it. So let's let's jump into it. Perhaps you saw during the Super Bowl earlier this month a spot for Silestone that was featuring the Diana Pearl sample color, just to remind everyone the creative went something like this. Uh, this the spot opens with uh, former Chicago Bears coach Mike Ditka at home reading a book in his library, and he looks up into the camera and says, I am Diana Pearl. 
then the spot moves on to former Chicago Bears uh, William Refrigerator. You remember him, Perry, right. uh, holding a sandwich. He's a big eater, holding a sandwich, who says, I am Diana Pearl. And then staying, I guess, with the Chicago Bears theme, former Chicago Bears quarterback Jim McMahon with his signature sunglasses says, I am Diana Pearl. Then quick takes back and forth between Ditka, Perry, and McMahon restating the line, I am Diana Pearl. Voiceover comes in and says, with so many colors for countertops and baths, Sile Stone lets you bring your inner self to surface. Uh, to the surface, I should say. And then in the lower uh, right-hand corner of the screen, Ray, we see the words macroban. We're not sure what that means. Microban. No, macro, M-A-C. Micro. Oh, is it micro? Microban. Well, why wouldn't it be an I? Don't know. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, then Stephanie Saratelli, our associate producer, had a typo there. (laughs) Okay. In any event, we have a a word there, but we're never really sure what the word means. If you're a tile freak like Ray is, you would know that. You'd even know the spelling. But anyway, after a short pan of the uh, Silestone countertop, we see a visual of uh, uh, Dennis Rodman coming into screen, scrubbing himself, tight shot, in a bubble bath. And then it pulls back, and he says into the camera, I am Diana Pearl. And as each of these words appear on the screen, we hear the voiceover with naturally beautiful, durable quartz, silestone, pure brilliance. So, you know, here is the problem that makes this particular spot. First of all, let's compliment it. It's got a great tease, and the viewer maintains their curiosity throughout the spot. Well, I'll give it that. Unfortunately, it misses the mark totally on several levels. First of all, it, it never delivers the setup. Uh, never delivers on the setup. I am Diana Pearl. It leaves the viewer wondering exactly what is a Diana Pearl. But the biggest flaw, Ray, in the spot's creative strategy is that you have basically 75, 80 million viewers watching the Super Bowl and in this unique environment actually watching and paying attention to the TV spots. And at the end of the spot, in this particular case, you have no mention of a URL, that's a website for you technology challenge folks out there, no no URL and no 800 toll-free number tying in with the advertiser. And the advertiser, we all know, would have received a number of phone calls or a number of web hits had they included that in the uh, in their website, even though it still left the viewer wondering what in the world uh, Diana Pearl was. So for the life of me, you know, Ray, I don't know about you, but I cannot figure out how in the world any one from the client side or the agency side or, I mean, you know, starting at the storyboard level, reviewing scripts, all the way up to the produced spot that ends up going to the Super Bowl, 2.4 2. million, 2 million, whatever, right, 2.2. 2. Yeah, 2.4. Uh, missed this component, very important component, of the creative strategy. And for this reason, we salute Silestone as a favor and a favorite friend of mine uh, mm-hmm. who we're not going to re- mention the uh, agency because no, he's no. a friend right. but it is uh, Silestone and their agency as being featured as this week's advertising item of the week it wouldn't <laughs> have taken much to put the URL or the 800 toll free call, call for action that's all you would have needed and you would have got some activity on that call yeah call to action okay good all right We'll go with that. Mm-hmm. We've got uh, more with George Lois. See what he might uh, would have had to say about that if we get a chance to ask him next <laughs> yeah. hour. I'm not sure we will. Yeah. But uh, George Lois is back with us next hour. We have, uh, let's see, Patrick Meyer, the Marketing Insider, is talking about lifestyle innovation. What's that all about? Well, we'll find out. Andy Borowitz is with us next hour as well. We've got the Wacky World of Marketing is uh, coming up, uh, too. So just a whole bunch of stuff and a great reason to uh, stick around for hour number two of the Advertising Show, being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Back for hour two in a moment is a Big Radio Midgets production. 
Welcome to the Advertising Show, America's only radio program focusing on advertising, media, marketing, product development, branding, new media, sales and customer relations. Stay with us for entertaining marketing discussion and our special guest interview. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Shillins and Brad Forsyth. Back with you for hour number two on the Advertising Show, being brought to you by Advertising Age magazine. You can visit online at adage.com. Advertising Show is a big radio midgets production, and this hour is just jam-packed with great guests, including our special guest, George Lois, founder of Lois USA and author of Celebrity. We'll join George uh, back in conversation here in just a few minutes. Uh, this hour, Patrick Meyer, the marketing insider, lifestyle innovation is what he's talking about. Andy Borowitz, what is going on here? Bush is bringing, uh, our president is bringing the uh, the uh, troops home through a different route or something. He did a map quest. And uh, Wacky World of Marketing is up this, uh, this hour, too, as well, for uh, kid product testers. So, lots to do. Yeah. You know, last hour we talked and we had our bad advertising, and, you know, we were talking off the air, and I think it's worth mentioning, if you uh, put yourself out there to do a uh, $2.4 million, $80 million plus viewers in the Super Bowl, and you do a great spot, the beauty of that is people are going to talk about it. Sure they are. You do a bad spot. The unfortunate part about that is people are going to talk about it. That's true. New York yeah. Times, uh, former guest here on the show, uh, the uh, advertising columnist, uh, and of course his name escapes me right now. But, yeah, that's okay. But anyway, he he uh, uh, wrote about it and uh, didn't have good things to say about it, oh. and a lot of others did. So it's unfortunate, but it's uh, put yourself out there. Even doing a radio show, put yourself out there. Yeah. People are going to like it, and some aren't. Well, as an agency, you're putting your work out there is is a tough thing to do because you do. It's it's like throwing a clay target up in the air. Hey. Basically. Let's hope hope enough people see it to where somebody comments on it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> Good or bad, right? Yeah. Something like that. Uh, uh, Eddie Fritz. We know Eddie Fritz. Uh, he's been with the National Association of Broadcasters for uh, uh, for many, many years. Um, Fritz the 1982. Cat, yeah. uh, he's uh, 63 now. And what he's doing, they're looking for new leadership uh, after uh, Fritz uh, told the group's board that he intends to step down some point in the months ahead. No specific date was given. Maybe he will be taking the job at Disney. That's it. Uh, he became the NAB president in 82 and produced a string of legislative and regulatory victories, including mandatory cable carriage in 92 and uh, radio deregulation in 1996. Did they announce that at the uh, NAB conference recently? Or I don't was, know. Was that That's, uh, just part of the fallout of the news happening? Just no particular reason, huh? I don't know whether – it doesn't say where they announced it, actually. No. Uh, it says uh, – Fritz's decision to leave has been rumored for many months, starting last April at the NAB Vegas convention when the majority major TV affiliates began to pressure him to resign. Hmm. Well, goodness sakes. So they've been uh, rumoring this for almost a year, it sounds <laughs> like. Really? Yeah. But I liked, uh, I liked a lot of the stuff that he did, and I think he did a good job. Yeah. So. Ed, job Hang well in there. done. Hang yeah. in there. He's 63. Go fishing. True. Go play golf well, in Boca. But at that age, as you get closer to that age, it doesn't seem so old, does it, Ray? No, it really doesn't, does it? Scary thought, isn't it, Brad? Oh, wow. Here's, uh, here's uh, Patrick Meyer on The Advertising Show. Welcome to Understanding the Future Now. It's the Marketing Insider featuring Patrick Meyer. I'm walking down Broadway in New York City. I need to download a document presentation I'm going to be giving in the afternoon. I want to check my emails. So I cruise in to my favorite Starbucks, sit down, pick up a cappuccino bainte, open up my laptop, start to download my email, pick up the presentation. 
And I'm thinking, big kudos to Starbucks. The fact that this is my office away from the office, that I'm there more frequently for longer amounts of time, spending more money than I did in the past. What's so great about this? This is lifestyle innovation. This is Starbucks understanding the lifestyle of its target and evolving with that lifestyle. How do you get there? Talk to your consumer. Understand where they are and where they're going. Not just your category usage, but also what's going on in their lifestyle. What's happening? What are they passionate about? What do they feel time compressed on? What's going on? And out of that, find ways to better satisfy them with innovation. One way you can better do that with consumers is ethnographic research. Get in with them. Understand their lifestyle. How do they interact with your product? What's happening in their world? Film it. Capture it. Photograph it. Then bring people into that world with the consumer. Build ideas. Create innovations that better fit their needs going forward. Now you have the beginning of lifestyle innovation and a pipeline of it going forward. Good luck. You've been listening to The Marketing Insider, heard every week here on The Advertising Show. Join us next week for more insight into the future of marketing. This is Patrick Meyer, CEO of Now. And remember, the marketing revolution has begun. For more, go to nowinc.net. I think he gets an award, too, for the most product placement in a minute and a half vignette. Oh, that's true. I, he apparently is getting some kind of uh, payola on this, don't you Could think? Could be. Free coffee? Free Starbucks? Yeah. Sure. Why not? Could you see George Lois sitting in a Starbucks, uh, setting up his laptop, got his uh, all of his equipment going there? No. You know, Seinfeld, <laughs> no, me neither. <laughs> Seinfeld does a, a funny bit in his stand-up comedy uh, routine about that. I don't know if you've caught that. Mm. He, he talks about, he goes, what is it with people that go to the Starbucks and they, like, create their own company right there? He said, they don't do that at the Pizza Hut. He said, why is it, you know, why is the coffee place the place that you can go do you this? You can't get cheese in a computer keyboard, but coffee's okay. Well, and when That's you think right. about it, uh, aren't these deadbeats just really telegraphing to the world that they don't have a regular office? I don't know. I don't know. If they had a regular office, wouldn't they be there? They should be there, right, right. exactly. Yeah. Maybe they want wireless. Who knows? I told you I ran into a uh, homeless guy that asked me where the nearest Internet connection was, and I mean <laughs> this. I'm serious. It was in a serious? parking lot, and I told him to go down to the uh, Kinko's and that he could log on down there, and it was something about needing some money. But, it, you know, if you're homeless and you're web savvy, I mean, that's that's 2005, isn't it? Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. Wow. Maybe there you would need a wireless connection, wouldn't you? Well, you'd think a guy <laughs> like that would have a laptop or maybe a PDA. Wow. <laughs> I'm telling you, it actually happened. That really me. happened, Yes, huh? it did. I don't believe I'm that. I'm serious. You're serious. Okay, no. that's fine. U.S. House of Representatives has passed a bill to raise the maximum fines against broadcasters that air indecent material to as much as $500,000. For each violation, and you know you got pocket g- change. Yeah, right. But you got to give them credit. I mean, th- these these low show type shows uh, that rely on strictly nothing but blue humor, right? And they get a kick out of that kind of stuff. Well, it's, it's stupid, right? It is stupid. stupid. It doesn't take any brains to do that. Yeah, uh, you know, it's uh, and a lot of the old comedians, you know, they they never uttered any of that blue humor, and no. they were funny. And today, Chris Rock, yeah, and others. Mm-hmm. They seem like that's laced with that kind of thing in order to be funny. Speaking of old comedians, um, Bill Cosby, boy, he's getting a bad rap, and I think I, really I'm kind of angry about that. Well, uh, because he hasn't mentioned you. No, he hasn't. <laughs> what are you mad? <laughs> he's. I, I feel bad for him. Well, I do I feel, too. I feel bad. I feel I like he's gotten into 
something. They're jumping that, on the bandwagon. Is yeah, what they really are. are it's like, yeah. leave Bill Cosby alone. Let's pile on Bill. Yeah. And I let's mean, see let's if we can get some money out of it. Focus back on Michael Jackson. It's terrible. <laughs> what was something it, else. What was it recently that uh, Andy Borowitz said? How could he be uh, taken How off? could he have possibly had the flu when he doesn't have a nose? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. See, now we're hammering poor Michael, so yeah. we shouldn't do that. But well, I, I feel bad for Bill. I really do. Off the air, we asked George what he's been up to, and he said, "I'm." I see he toy, tore his uh, Achilles uh, tendon. Oh, did he really? And I said, "Are you back on your feet now?" And he goes, "I'm doing the moonwalk." <laughs> he well, said he that. Must have put his foot on backwards. No, then. He, he tore his Achilles heel uh, playing basketball. He was playing basketball. Yeah, he's in his early seventies. He's though. too old to play basketball. Well, you tell him that. I'm not going to. <laughs> well, he'll hear it now. Uh-oh. Oh well, that's true. Sorry, George. Uh, uh, Maybe uh, that was Ray, by the way. Maybe Parcheesi. Yeah, or something like that. He still got it though. Golf is still good though. He still got the game. And uh, let's see, we'll have more with George here in just a couple of minutes on the advertising show. Ray Shellens and Brad Forsyth. Make your advertising dollars work smarter. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. That's an easy one to perform at a karaoke. Right? True. Just one word. Over and over and over again. Classic right. spot from uh, Meow Mix. They're still using it, too. So I guess it's really not a classic. It's the, a paid commercial advertisement. George's old buddy, Della Femina, created ah, that. Okay. Jerry. With the person who uh, was not supposed to sing it. Correct. Okay. Yeah, well, you good. know that story. George Lois, founder of Lois USA and author of a book called Celebrity. hope you were able to be with us last hour uh, to hear some of the bits from the interview, but we continue this hour. So if you just joined us, it's uh, George Lois with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth yeah. on the Advertising Show. Wonderful, uh, wonderful to have you today, George, and legendary George Lois, uh, art director uh, from the days of Bill Bernbach and Doyle Dame Bernbach and sharing some great stories here. And where we left off last hour, uh, you were mentioning the Floyd Patterson cover, which was your first cover for Esquire magazine, uh, just kind of a little side job that uh, George did while he was creating uh, cutting-edge, wonderful, big-idea-type advertising for uh, a new firm, his own firm, leaving Doyle Dame Bernbach. Unheard of. Anybody that got a job at Doyle Dame Bernbach didn't leave, but George left and uh, Bill Bernbach uh, couldn't believe it, but that's a whole other story. Now I'm telling his story, but that was an October 62 issue of Esquire. If you ha- do this cover where I show a guy who looks like Floyd Patterson laying dead, left for, left for dead, nobody in the in the ring. He got, he got knocked out by Lister. Everybody leaves him, and the cover runs. Uh, in fact, with the publisher's page, with, with Arnold Gingrich of the, public, of the publisher then saying, you know that cover? We have nothing to do with it. We're not calling the fight. We don't agree with it. We don't agree with this designer, right? Anyway, it, it hits the newsstand, and, the, and everybody goes to town on it. I mean, the sports writers laugh at it. I mean, the, Patterson was a, you know, a, you know seven to one favorite or something, almost ten to one favorite at one point. Um, uh, and, uh, it come, and for a couple of weeks, it's getting bombed. And of course, then the fight uh, the fight comes off, and uh, Lester knocks him out. You know, knocks him down for eighty two times in the first round. Yeah. The fight was over, and they sold uh, next to two hundred and fifty thousand copies on the on the newsstand because wow. they, they, their circulation was five hundred thousand. They sold an extra two hundred fifty thousand on a newsstand, 
and Harold Hayes said, George, you got to keep doing them, and I did them for another 10 years. <laughs> and it, it truly was just kind of a, a hobby for you, wasn't it, George? Oh, I mean, yeah, well, I loved it, though. I mean, I did covers like uh, Andy Warhol drowning a giant can of tomato soup. Mm-hmm. You know, I did uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, you know, uh, as uh, St. Sebastian, as a martyr for, uh, you know, refusing a fight in, the, in, the, in, that, in that stupid Vietnam War. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I did. I did a lot of uh, work that I was very proud of, and I, in, a, in a sense, what I what it did is it, it chronicled the the uh, the, uh, the decade and um, and and and, uh, and iconized a lot of uh, important uh, important things that happened during the decade. So it was it was kind of a thrill. You know, I, I loved doing them. I mean, I wish I could keep doing. I wish I could have kept doing magazine covers all my life you know uh, mm-hmm. but everybody today these everybody's scared to, would be scared to death of them the only reason I got away with them is because the, I got the circulation along with Harold Hayes as a great editor I got the circulation to go from 500,000 to 2 million in a decade you know the, and those days of having uh, outrageous uh, cultural culturally relevant type of uh, cutting-edge uh, magazine covers are long, long gone. And, you know, you worked with a lot of celebrities. You mentioned a few, and, and I'm talking about advertising now again. Mickey Mantle, of course, and Joe Namath. You you worked with uh, Bobby Riggs, Mark, Margaret Court, a couple uh, tennis legends there. And uh, I'm curious, as you watch television and, and other advertising uh, media today, George, and you see a lot of these celebrities being used today versus how you use celebrities back in the 60s and 70s. What are your thoughts? Are, are they are they connecting with consumers when they're using celebrities today, or are they tending to miss the miss the point there? No, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, mean, I, I kind of uh, pioneered the use of celebrities in outrageous ways. I, I use celebrities uh, almost uh, demeaning themselves, you know. I mean, I, I got uh, you know uh, Mickey Mantle and uh, and uh, the six greatest uh, athletes at the time. Mickey Mantle, uh, you know, Johnny Unitas, you know, uh, Will Chamberlain, uh, you know, Oscar Robertson, said said all saying, "I want my maple," you know, <laughs> crying like cry, like babies, you know, yeah. uh, you know, selling, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, the 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 the, the, to, the, the ultimate sissification of, of athletes, you know. Yeah. But uh, I showed athletes as sweet guys who had who were having fun, you know, most. Celebrity athletes with athletes today, uh, you're supposed to sit there and say, "Wow, aren't they wonderful?" Mm-hmm. You know, gee, isn't that Kobe Bryant a wonderful person? You know, which he which he obviously isn't. You know, uh, no, I mean, I, I think they they missed the boat. You know, but um, but but using uh, I've used celebrities. I mean, I, I, that book, celebrity that you're talking about, is is you know totally all about uh, you know cele- the way I've used celebrities in, in my career. A lot of people look at a book and think that that's all I've done. I've just done a million other things, you know, but the point is celebrity, uh, uh, using celebrities has always been a big part of, of, of my advertising, you know, including, uh, you know, when, when, we, when we talked about, uh, uh, you know, I don't think Mick Jagger, I don't think MTV would have happened without uh, Mick Jagger. I yeah, call Mick right. Jagger the patron saint of MTV for doing what he did for me and, and doing what he did for, uh, for, the, for that brand. Well, and, you know, you were honorable enough to say you didn't uh, create the, and design the logo, but you did have a role then that still plays out today in taking a another element in bringing it into the logo uh, that still plays today. I, I'm looking at the front of your book, and uh, gosh, Jack Lemmon. Uh, how how was it working with Jack Lemmon on the union uh, oh, AFL-CIO? man, you know. Uh, I mean, the reason I used I, I did a campaign for the AFL-CIO, uh, uh, and uh, the campaign line, which they still use, is union, comma, yes, union, yes, you know. And... Uh, 
when I I wanted to do some commercials, and I and you know, there's nothing better than to have some people that, uh, doing the commercials who really who uh, who people really think are, are wonderful and, and who really have uh, you know, a, a, a lot of quality. And Jack Lemon came came to my mind because I also knew that the guy was. Um, was a liberal in the best sense of the word. Yeah, we're liberals because uh, and uh, because we believe in uh, in, in humanity and, and 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 government helping helping people rather than sending them off to wars. But but I uh, I digress. Yeah, well, uh, you you deserve it. it. You know, I wanted to, you, I'm looking uh, at what goes on today in the world of advertising, and I know some under uh, underlying stories because we talk off the air frequently, George. And if you know the name Donnie Deutsch and, and his agency, George was invited up to uh, to uh, be taken around the offices of Donnie Deutsch's office and mm-hmm. share that story with our our audience, if you would, George. Um, I uh, well, Donnie. Uh, I really didn't know Donnie uh, much. You know, I mean, I know of him. You know, and uh, he obviously knew plenty about me. But he kept uh, after I, uh, uh, you know, so-called retired. If, you know, my wife just says I'm no longer retired. I'm just tired. Uh, but um, he uh, invited me to come and uh, to have lunch with him. That went on for a long time, and finally, I, I don't know. Finally, I gave in, and I went and I showed up and. Um, and I walked in, and there's uh, there was uh, you know 200 people waiting for me, you know, uh, and, uh, and uh, I, I realized I got kind of nailed into this thing, how to give a little talk, et cetera, et cetera, and um, and uh, you know, and I and Donnie introduced me, and I talked a little bit, and then uh, everybody broke up, and then uh, one of Donnie uh, uh, Deutsch's uh, partner said to me, George, uh, I, I gee, I didn't know. I didn't know you were that friendly with Donnie. How long have you known him? I said twenty minutes. <laughs> um, you know, for- by the way, and then by the way, Donnie Deutsch had me sign a lot of my books. He had a lot of my books. A whole bunch of the books were um, were, jo- were the name of my one of my books was uh, What's the Big Idea? Because from day one, you know, from the time I was working with Doyle Dane, I was known as Mister Big Idea. I mean, I would I would give Bill Burback a hard time sometimes. He'd show me some ads from what he did, I said, and he said, "Isn't it terrific?" I said, "Yeah, Bill, it's a terrific ad, but it's not a big idea because I was was talking about an idea that was so pervasive that that became as important as the name of the of the, of the client." Hey, George, hang, George, hang on to that thought for just a minute. We're going to continue on that in uh, just a moment here on the advertising show. It's Ray Sheldon, the Red Foresight, very special guest out of New York City this weekend. It's George Lois, founder of Lois USA and author of Celebrity. You can go to Fiden.com to find out more or come to us and we'll be able to tell you all about it as well. Back in a minute. And now it's time for the Wacky World of Marketing. Wacky World of Marketing. Here's your host, Bruce Abbott. Our Wacky Update heads to Beijing where a toy factory has invited applications from children to become product advisors. More than 800 children, aged 2 to 14, flocked to the firm's office in the Chinese capital, hoping to compete for one of the 20 child advisor posts up for grabs. The company said it would invite 20 children to try out its latest range of toys and make useful suggestions before their release. A factory spokesperson says... Allowing children to choose what they like is the best way for us to improve our products. And that, my friends, is the wacky world of marketing. 
This program was written and produced by Bruce Abbott, executive producer of The Advertising Show. Join us next time when we uncover the strange, the bizarre, and unfortunately, the true wacky world of marketing. Make informed decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is The Advertising Show. Driver, let me off here. You want to look like this shin? Use the Aztec suntan lotion right for you and do the Aztec suntan dance. What? There's a dance you should do when it's sunny. You can't poke on this bus. Grab your toe and pull it toward your tummy. And the creative of Dick Orkin gets us back into another segment with a close personal friend of Donnie Deutsch. <laughs> it's George Lois with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth yeah, on the advertising show. Welcome back to the show, George. And uh, just for the record, uh, maybe you haven't read this, uh, George, as well as our listeners, but uh, CNBC was reviewing their programming list, and uh, apparently Donnie Deutsch, and unbeknownst to most people, he pays, he participates in the production charges for his show, The Big Idea, and therefore they're thinking about leaving it on. Right now, Donnie Deutsch and his program on CNBC reaches around 35,000 people. Our little radio show, you're talking to a worldwide audience here, George, of much greater numbers than that. But here's the point. The next time we see Donnie Deutsch, Ray, Mm -hmm. we're going to have a message for George delivered personally to us, and it's going to be, hey, Donnie, What's the big idea? That's great. That's great. What do you think, George? Yeah, you know, I got to tell you, I mean, I've been known as the as Mr. Big Idea since I worked at Doyle Dane. I'm talking about 1958, you know. And I, and as I said before, I, I wrote a book called What's the Big Idea, 1972, four or five, or something like that. And 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 today, people say to me, I mean, everybody says to me, Gee, George, didn't he take? the big idea from you. Yeah. Uh, but that's not as bad as sometimes I'll, I'll still talk about the big idea and people say, oh, you mean you mean Donnie Deutsch's big idea? <laughs> no. At which point, you know, it goes, there's about 10, 20, 30 seconds of, uns- of uh, censored uh, copy. Yes, yes. <laughs> hey, you know, you're one of the few people, if you've ever heard of the agency Wells Rich Green and uh, Mary Wells Lawrence, who happens to be a uh, an icon in the business as well, a very talented individual. Uh, I guess, George, you're one of the few people that can actually refer to Mary Wells Lawrence as Bunny. Well, that's right, because that was her name, Bunny. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I do, I do Bunny uh, very well. You and, know, and uh, she was, what, a writer for you? Uh, no, no, she was a writer. Uh, I, I met her. Uh, I did a, a, a cup, a, like a two-month stint when I, uh, uh, when I was a very young man, when I left the CBS at a, at a terrible agency called uh, Lennon and Newell, uh, and uh, she was a writer there. I met her there, and then I met her later at Doyle Dane when she was a writer, and uh, and worked with her at Do- at Doyle Dane Burnback. And she was a you know she was a very good writer. She was a she was. A, I don't think she was the greatest writer in the world, uh, creative writer in the world, but she was a wonderful handler of clients. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she really was like, like she, would, she would have been the greatest account. Well, actually, that's what she turned out to be when she started World's with Screen. She, had, she hired some very talented people that worked there, like Charlie Morse, who was a, a, a terrific writer. And uh, basically, he took. Uh, he was the creative director. Uh, of, uh, he was the head writer, and she really ran the agency from a corporate point of view and a and a, and a, uh, a council point of view. Uh, and uh, and that's another agency that came out of um, my agency. Uh, you know, from from uh, 
I became Lois in, that I started in 1960. You know, where Dick Rich came from my agency. You know, Carl Alley came out of my agency, started the Carl Alley agency. Scally McCabe Slows came out of my agency. And that's why I said before that that my starting the Pat, you know, the Pat McKinney Lois after Doyle Dane Burnback triggered the creative evolution and triggered all of those young agencies. And before you knew it, you know, in the middle of the uh, of the 60s, there were five or six or seven, uh, you know, what, what you know, what you could really legitimately call creative agencies. Yeah, and a little sidebar and, and that was said before, but I want to really make the point. When George went in to resign uh, to Bill Bernbach, which was unheard of, nobody quit Doyle Dane Bernbach, George, uh, you, Bill was dead serious when he said to you, there's only room for one creative agency no, out there. Serious, and you know, I mean, you have to understand those days. I mean, there was uh, there, it was Doyle Dan. I mean, the only other so-called creative agencies that anybody ever thought were creative was Ogilvy, but Ogilvy, you know, handcuffed you. You know, I've, uh, 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 David Ogilvy tried to hire me out of Doyle Dan Burbank, and it was the most insane discussion of my life because I, somehow they got me to go there to talk to him, and he kept and I kept saying, uh, you know. Uh, uh, David, I, I, there's no way I could work for you. I mean, every rule, every every word in Confessions of a, of, a, of an Advertising Man that, that that people still read, I don't agree with one word in your whole book. <laughs> you told him this. I mean, I don't agree with yes, no, you know, your first name, nothing. Uh, you, know, you, you couldn't drop type out of a out of a photograph. You, you had to have a, it had to be a layout of one, two, or three. You know, with the logo on the corner, set, etc. Why would would you want me? But somehow he saw something. He saw. He thought he wanted me. And of course, I didn't go because it would have. You know, I would have either. I would have lasted three days. I would have thrown somebody out. To, I probably would have gone to jail. Yeah, and and you know, <laughs> who knows what was in that pipe he was smoking anyway no, back in the. Well, those English guys, you know. <laughs> those English I guys. Everything was shocked, but I got rid of it. Well, it sounds like a little maybe a Cockney. I'm thinking. Yeah, it's more <laughs> Iowa, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Iowa. You know, George, uh, and when you mentioned Mary Wells Lawrence, I guess it's a good lesson. And just about a minute that we have left, if you want to start an agency, marry the CEO of an airliner. Well, that's the way to do it, you know. Uh, uh, when I got, uh, when, after she started her agency, uh, you, know, uh, you know, with the help of uh, her boyfriend at that time, and then husband, uh, Harding Lawrence, uh, after a couple of years, and, 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 and uh, after a couple of years, she had a chance to get TWA, which was way, way, way bigger than Braniff. And, uh, you know, and she said, she told Harding, I, 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 you know, I want TWA. And he said, well, okay, but what am I going to do? I gonna do? She said, well, hire George Lois. <laughs> so people came to me and said, my George, how, how come, without, uh, without a pitch, how come you got it? And I said, well, you know, Harding Lois fell in love with me. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to take a break here on the Advertising Show. Our special guest uh, for one more segment this hour is uh, George Lois out of New York. The book is called Celebrity with an S-E-L-L-E-B-R-I-T-Y. And uh, Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe back in a moment. You're listening to The Advertising Show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsythe. Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola, things go better with Coca-Cola, things go better with Coke. Life is much more fun when you're refreshed. And Coke refreshes you best. It's the refreshing 
Back with a classic spot and a refreshing beverage before we get back to work here with Rachel and Brad Forsyth in our uh, interview final segment here today. And we're so happy to have George Lois on the show, founder of Lois USA and author of the uh, really cool book called Celebrity. And uh, he did a few other things yeah. uh, during his life as yeah, well. Including yeah. marrying uh, Mrs. Lois, an artist and a wonderful lady. And, you know, I had some questions here that I normally would ask other guests and because we have some of our best conversations with George off the air, I'm looking at like three of these questions that I could ask him. But based on knowing George as we do, Ray, yeah. I could never ask him which are which word do you use most often. We can't ask him that. No. What's what's the best word in the English language? We can't ask him that. No. Uh, the the time you felt most alive. We can't ask him that. So let's just jump into the time you felt most alive. Yeah, we can't. Uh, let's Probably just right now. Yeah, that's true. The uh, but but let's talk a little bit about. Uh, and sometimes you ask a question, you already know the answer, but I'm going to pretend like I don't know the answer. Who was the most difficult client you ever had to work for? Uh, there were a couple. I mean, uh, how about um, I did a um, – how about when uh, Jack Kennedy uh, was uh, was shot in Dallas? Uh, and I hear about it, and after you had a shock for a couple of minutes, I say, oh, my God, we have advertising. I didn't realize that, the, you know, the networks would pull all the advertising, but – I realized that we had advertising running in in Dallas for uh, for Braniff, et cetera, and uh, and I and I and I uh, called up. Um, uh, no, excuse me. It was for uh, what am I talking about? Braniff. I'm talking about National Airlines. Uh, you know, in Florida. And it, so I call up the uh, Bud Maytag's assistant, this guy by the name of J. Dan Black, and I said, Dan, Dan, uh, the, I don't know if you heard the president shot. I want to pull all the advertising. And he said. Pull the advertising. I said, I'm pulling the advertising, uh, you know, which got all pulled anyway. I cursed at him. I hung up. I got fired two days later. And what happened is something like four or five months later, Bud Maytag, who was the president of the company, uh, called back and begged us to take him back and apologized. Because uh, we had, in, in, in those days, it was National Airlines, and, and uh, you know they were they were nowhere. And I did a campaign that said, "Is this anywhere to run an airline? You bet it is." It was a very very famous campaign. Mm-hmm. It, 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 their business went way 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 up, and they came back. But that how about that? How about that for a client? Yeah, you know, uh, you're, you're known for back in the days of being a, a, a real renegade, and you did not uh, take uh, take it lightly when you go in to pitch a client about ideas that you've been working on for. Uh, hours, if not days, of course. Uh, have you ever had a situation where a client actually intimidated you, George? Uh, I don't think so, because uh, I really can truthfully say no. I mean, you know, I I, I was in a Korean War, by uh, I got married when I was 20, and when I was 20 and, and, and four days old, I was, uh, you know, I, was, I, I got drafted, I went to, and I went to Korea, you know, and I fought in the war. You know, when I came back from the war, uh, maybe I was that way before, but when I came back from the war, I wasn't about to take any crap from anybody, you know. <laughs> and certainly not based on, 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 the, on, the, on the work that I did and the kind of uh, you know, visions I had for people and the visions I had for the kind of work I wanted to do. Yeah. So I, nobody, you know, I mean, what's the worst they can do? And the worst they can do is fire you. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, so what, you know? Mm. Um, uh, uh, so uh, I, you know, I, I mean, I, people say, "Well, I was I, I was crazy, or I was either or courageous." But I think uh, you know, it's a combination of both. You know? Well, and you weren't uh, exactly having a desk job there at the Korean War as well. So, uh, yeah. but, but the most important thing in my life is doing great work. You know, yeah. and uh, you know, when I'm doing the great work for the client, you know, I'm making 
I'm making them money. I'm making them famous. I'm making them, you know. Uh, but but uh, and it's and it's and it's it's my work, you know. So I don't there was I don't think there was any way any client could intimidate me in any way, shape, or form. Well, Some of the guys who were supposed to be terrible you know, intimidators, like like Charles Repson, loved me. Because they kind of they ran at the guys like me who who they said, oh my God, there's some integrity, or well, whatever they thought, you know. And they and uh, I got along very well with with some of those what I, I call them benevolent tyrants. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, it's been vintage George Lois for the last uh, couple hours, and always, always with the great guests like you, George. There's never enough time to cover it all. If you'd like to learn more about Georgia, I encourage all of our readers to pick up our listeners, I should say to pick up a uh, copy of George Be Careful, a, a, a classic book on advertising, or his more current book, Celebrity, by Fiden Press. And thanks for joining us, George. Thanks a million, fellas. On the uh, advertising show, it's Ray Shillings along with Brad Forsyth. Uh, thanks again to George Lois, founder of Lois USA and author of Celebrity. Remember, you can go to Fiden.com and uh, find out more about that particular book. And uh, we invite you back uh, for more here. By the way, Andy Borowitz is coming up here in just a moment, and there is good news. There is good news. Uh, uh, the president is bringing home the troops. Just the way he's bringing them home, not adding up here. So we've got uh, we got that next for you on the advertising show with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth. Decisions about your company's advertising strategy. This is the Advertising Show. Hot dogs, armor hot dogs. What kinds of kids eat armor hot dogs? On the advertising show, we wrap up uh, hour number two here with Ray Shillings and Brad Forsyth, and thanks again to uh, George Lois for stepping in today. Founder of Lois USA and author of Celebrity. Remember, you can go to Fiden Press. That's at Fiden.com and find out more about that book. It's really, uh, really a great book to have on your coffee table and impress your friends with, right? It's a great book. Kevin Berry is going to be with us next week on the advertising show. Uh, Kevin is vice president of the Cable Television Advertising Bureau. And uh, it'll be good to have him back on the show as well here. So we have, uh, let's see, well, here's something that's going on, I guess. Uh, it is uh, Dan Rather bidding uh, viewers a final good night as uh, anchor of the CBS Evening News. He'll be back on the air to lead viewers through a retrospective of his 50 years in broadcast journalism. It's kind of like doing a post-mortem yourself. All right. See, it's DIY. CBS News uh, said the hour-long special, Dan Rather, a reporter, remembers, will be telecast on the 9th of March uh, with an hour of his uh, stepping down as a host and managing editor of uh, the Evening News. Uh, 24 years after he assumed the anchor chair from uh, Walter Cronkite. doesn't seem like 24 years ago that he actually was... uh, It doesn't seem like 24 years since Cronkite's been gone. Since Walter said, and that's the way it is. And that's what it was 24 years ago. And, you know, it's uh, it's interesting that you say that because uh, set your TiVos. What was the date on that? March what? 9th. March 9th. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So we'll do that. Yeah. Right now, uh, well, it's always shocking news out of Andy Borowitz, isn't it? Even when you see him on CNN's American Morning, but he's here on the advertising show. Oh, wait, wait, that's not it. Let's try, <laughs> let's try, let's try this one instead. There we go. Hi, this is Andy Borowitz for The Advertising Show, 
And now, here's this week's feature from the Borowitz Report. Under pressure to detail an exit strategy for Iraq, President George W. Bush said at a White House briefing this past week that he would not designate an exact timetable for a withdrawal of U.S. troops, but added the fastest way to bring the troops home would be through Iran. After reporters audibly gasped, the president explained that bringing the troops home through Iran would be the most direct route and produce driving direction from MapQuest to back up his claim. But less than an hour after his remarks, Iranian President Mohammad Khatami blasted Mr. Bush's exit strategy, arguing that bringing U.S. troops home through Iran was far from the most direct route and was, in fact, going totally in the wrong direction. Using a map of the world and a magic marker, President Khatami showed that by traveling east rather than west, U.S. troops would have to circumnavigate the globe in order to reach their final destination. In response, Mr. Bush acknowledged that it would be a long journey, but added, if necessary, we'll stop in North Korea. Elsewhere, McDonald's said it would follow up its successful promotion involving a French fry that looks like Abraham Lincoln by creating a supersized vanilla shake that looks like Dick Cheney. This is Andy Borowitz, and this has been a special edition of the Borowitz Report from The Advertising Show. To read more reports or to receive daily email alerts, log on to borowitzreport.com. This is Andy Borowitz saying, keep it fake, baby. He never approaches the realistic, though. He's living in another world. Fantasy land. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So Andy Borowitz on The Advertising Show. It's always fun to hear his stuff, though. George, and you know he's a he is a very clever guy, and as you mentioned, Ray, if you've seen him on CNN this morning, mm-hmm. he doesn't look like he sounds. He doesn't. <laughs> I don't think so. Eh, okay, kind of got that schoolboy look, and you know he is mischievous. Well, he definitely looks like that. Yeah. that's for sure. Hey, you know, according to uh, MediaPost.com, Suave, or as they say in the Hispanic world, Suave. Yes. Suave is challenging women to tell the difference between its brand and its more expensive competitors with the Can You Tell campaign. This is the interesting part. First introduced in 1997. Yes. So apparently Suave has realized that using a print, outdoor, and online creative campaign that was once introduced in 97, they're bringing it back for what is obviously an encore appearance. The ads want to show women that they can't, can't tell the difference between the Less expensive and the most expensive, which is really a clever idea when you hmm. think about it. And, and really, who, when you get down to it, shampoo is shampoo. Folks. Well, <laughs> who who wants to uh, spend more money than you have to on these kind of things? And you're exactly right, Ray. I think uh, you know, who, is is it really related to cost? A lot of people think so. No, it's nothing. It's a it's an image thing. But yeah. people think so. If it doesn't say Paris, France on it, it's not touching your hair, Ray. That's right. That's your philosophy. And Suave is uh, Suave has always been known as a bargain basement brand, though. So that'll be a real interesting switch if they can uh, uh, get folks to believe that. Well, the interesting part about this is they direct women to CanYouTell dot com, mm-hmm. which is an interesting idea. And when uh, when you're there, visitors can take the Suave Challenge, and once a guess is made, the site reveals what product was used on the model. So you guess by looking at these pictures which is Suave and which is one of the uh, competing products. It's an interesting idea of how to drive people to your website, right. which we talked about during the advertising uh, last month in terms of how you don't drive people 
to a website. That's a good idea. And screw up. That's uh, that's very good. Yeah. So what they could do is do some uh, guerrilla marketing as well. They could do, or product placement too. Mm-hmm. Put it on one of those makeover shows. Why not? Absolutely. Good idea. Next week it's Kevin Berry, vice president of the Cable Television Advertising Bureau. Hope you enjoyed the interview today with uh, George Lewis, who uh, was our pinch hitter uh, for the couple of hours that we spent here in the advertising show. I want to invite you to go to the advertisingshow.com. Uh, what you can do is actually uh, not download, but you can actually listen to a, a t- kind of a compacted version. It's, it's freeze-dried, and uh, you go to the advertisingshow.com. And we're working on the MP3 download, and it's going to be happening here in the next several weeks. Stay tuned, as they say. Okay. Well, we have uh, we have the MP3 in the shop. Is that what it is right it's now? An, we're going to be podcasting. Okay. <laughs> that's something new. And if you haven't heard about that, that's out there as well. Uh, the Advertising Show is brought to you by Advertising Age Magazine. 